everyone, and welcome to the Tightwad Tech, episode 15, Tick Tock, recorded on October 5th, 2010. This week, we'll answer some frequently asked questions regarding our workflow and our own procedures that we use regarding time management techniques. That's a question that has come up time and time again in email and in forums um, uh, from listeners out there. They know that we uh, uh, are two guys uh, that run a large network, and and uh, they're probably in similar situations, and they want to know some of our tips. So uh, I'll just let you know we're, we're by no means experts, uh, but we have been doing this a while. And uh, we think we do it pretty well anyway. And so hopefully we'll have some good ideas for you. And then we'll look forward to the feedback where you'll have some good ideas for us. Absolutely. All right. So I just want to first welcome back, Sean. (laughs) Um, You know, that that reminded me, just a little digression, that scene in um, uh, Major League where Harry Doyle goes on this big run and says, what do you have to say? And his his, uh, co-host announcer says, well, that's about it. Oh, they don't yeah. call him the best color man in the business for nothing. <laughs> right. That was that was a good moment. I went on for like forty seconds there, yeah. and then you went. That's yeah. right. Yeah, I always like to go ahead and jump in and you know just, do my part for the show. <laughs> let people know you're breathing there. Right. <laughs> so welcome back, Sean, in studio today instead of a, on on Skype. So he sounds better, and well, he doesn't look any better, but he does sound better. So uh, welcome, Sean. We're glad to have you back from paternity leave. Apparently, giving birth really wore you out. It did. It did. Uh, yeah, I probably don't look any better for sure uh, after this last week, and it went by. It was really a blur. But uh, for any of you guys out there who have had children and been, you know, down that road, you know, usually uh, you're kind of itching to get back to work and just get back to the regular swing of things. So, uh, but everything went well, and uh, uh, you know, mommy and baby are happy and healthy and uh, and doing great. And you know, uh, we've got a three-year-old daughter that uh you know is doing wonderful with it too she thinks it's awesome so uh exciting time for our family and uh thank you to all the well wishers out there uh did get uh a lot of people just you know wishing us well and congratulations and whatnot so that was very nice and it's uh it's neat to see our little uh burgeoning uh, community kind of uh coming together around something like that it was uh it was fun so oh, that's cool yeah I'm glad that, uh, you know, people at least pretend to care about you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it doesn't really matter if you do, as long as you pretend to. Boy, that's don't the important you, thing. It, well, yeah, uh, you know, it's funny you say that because you always feel compelled, right? Somebody, I always, I have a weird, uh, feeling about when you have situations like that, like somebody that you kind of know, right. uh, has a baby or gets married or something and you feel compelled. You have to, say something because everybody else is saying something so you have to say something and so you come up with some you know if there's anything i can do let me know that's a lie yeah (laughs) i love that one i love that one yeah yeah, just call me you know whatever you need we'll we'll take care of it i haven't seen you since we graduated high school but yeah i'll keep that in mind (laughs) (laughs) so anyway uh last week because of our truncated show while your wife was uh busy being in the hospital yeah. uh we skipped over a lot of the stuff that i wanted to talk about last week so we're gonna uh the the pre-show warm-up may be a little longer this week but one of the things i wanted to to jump right into is one of our beloved favorite apps that we've recommended and i think even was one of our tips of the week is going away x marks is dying 
Yeah, that's horrible. I was looking at that today, actually, and they're uh, they're asking now to pledge ten dollars a year and not pay ten dollars a year quite yet, but just pledge it. I guess they're they're shopping it around, like trying to hopefully. Oh, really? Save it. Okay. Yeah, so you can go you can go to the Xmark site and uh, there's they've got a button there, and you just click to pledge ten dollars, and uh, you know. Since you're not actually having to pay it, I mean, let's go ahead and show it some support. But don't pledge you know? unless you actually would pay. <laughs> well, hopefully, because they're gonna, they're obviously trying to. What it seems like is either get investors or sell it, right? Or, uh, or something. So they're they're trying to build some value in it. Uh, so, uh, you know, that's, that's there. I think they're talking about, uh, 60 or 90 days before it goes away. Uh, January, mid January, I think it is. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there's a short time frame to really get in there and, you know, show your support. And, right. uh, we're avid X marks users. Uh, I have I have often said I would pay for X Marks. It's it's a service, but there wasn't a service to pay for. There wasn't a premium option or anything. They there there was no way to give them any money before. So yeah, yeah, I might go out there and do that. Ten bucks a year is reasonable for something that does what it does. Now there are other tools, uh, Google Sync. Uh, I think it Google uh, Google Chrome has something that does it uh, for yeah. Chrome browsers. Uh, Firefox has an extension that does it. That's going to be added right into Firefox four that will sync passwords and bookmarks. Uh, but those things are only uh, they're browser centric they only work within firefox or within chrome and the big beauty of x marks was it works everywhere well yeah i mean it's not only cross browser uh it's you know cross platform as well right. you know mac windows plus uh, all your bookmarks are on the web so you don't have yeah. to have a browser uh plug-in at all you can just go to their website and get your bookmarks and while that's not a feature i used often when i did need it it was a very handy thing to have around yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So get out there and give some love to X Marks. Um, if you've never used it, uh, it, it's a it's a really cool synchronization app. Uh, I would say go out and try it, but then you'd just fall, fall in love with it, and then maybe they'd go away. So that would be a <laughs> a dirty trick to play. Um, uh, the next thing I want to talk about was um, a very cool Android app I found called Where's My Droid. I promise I'm not going to make this an Android show. Um, I got chewed up a little bit about that yeah, uh, just when like we did have an answer. Brag on your right, phone. I'm just bragging yeah. on my phone. No, um, actually, <laughs> this happens to my wife far more often than it does me. She'll be at school. Uh, she's a teacher, and she mutes her phone uh, because she doesn't want it bothering her during the day. And then she will misplace her phone. And then you try to call the phone to locate it, but you can't because you muted it. Yeah. And so there's an app out there uh, that you can search for called Where's My Droid. You send it a specially formatted uh, text message, and you set what the text message is. Uh, the the text message out of the box is Where's My Droid. You send that. It turns the volume all the way up and makes the phone ring until you push a button. And so uh, that's another issue. You know, if you've been looking for your phone around the house. Um, you, you call it and it goes to voicemail and you never heard it ring. So you got to call it again, move to another room and then yeah. it goes to voicemail and they call it, well, uh, where's my droid? You're not calling it. You're sending it a text message and it's making the phone ring. So it will do that, uh, for a configurable amount of time. I think the default is a minute or two. I have mindset to just do it until I acknowledge it. So it'll just keep ringing forever. And then if you don't have any idea where it is, you don't even know what building it is. You can send it another text message. Uh, uh, the default is GPS, my droid, but again, you can change it to whatever. It will turn on the GPS in your device, locate it, send you a text message back with a link to a Google map of where your phone is. That's pretty, cool. Pretty cool. I, I did have a question about that. Like, 
if somebody knew you had that on your phone, could they use that to like spy on you essentially? Well, if they knew you had that and you had not changed the text message from the default, yes, but you do get the text message too. So you're okay. going to see that it happens. Yeah, so you you know somebody's hitting your phone with that then. Right. And you see who it was from, you know. Okay. Uh, so it comes in just like a regular text message, but uh the app where's my droid reads your text messages and and when you install it it says, "Hey, this is what this is doing. It's going to read all your text messages." And if it matches the text and there you can make it as as long as you want. Okay. Um uh, well, 140 characters, I guess. Yeah. Uh and then it'll trigger on that and it'll send you that information back. It was very cool. I, I tested it, sent my wife's message uh, phone that message and it gave me a map back and even said the restaurant we were in you know it, wow. it listed the name of the restaurant which very cool yeah absolutely absolutely um i'm real interested in this uh this second one and you'll have to refresh my memory because i remember talking about this before i left for the baby but uh pretty uh funny little story yeah what i have had. in a note there is and it's something that happens to me all the time it's called how open source kills sales calls and i get this a lot but uh just uh last week two weeks ago uh, a fellow came into my office and they do this all the time anybody who has my position knows how this goes they will walk up to the campus secretary and say i have an appointment with the technology director they don't know any better so they send them on through and then it's just a cold sales call a guy trying to sell you on something so this uh guy came in trying to sell me on a content management system uh, <laughs> okay yeah teacher for, for those of you who don't know a content management system basically teacher web pages so that a teacher can log on with their own credentials and and set that up and 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 they can have access over it now we've covered in the past that that we're joomla users but we had just ironically just finished a show about google apps where we talked about google sites and right. how our teachers were going crazy <laughs> with that and this guy comes in and says, hey, we've got this thing. All you have to do is give him a, a username and password. And if you want, it'll even tie you into Active Directory so that you don't even have to do that. You just have to go in and give them permissions, and then they can set up their, their website however they want, which, by the way, is exactly how Google Apps is set up for us and our Joomla both. Right. They're tied into to Active Directory, and we just have a group permission there. These people can do it. And... um so after he'd done his spiel for a few minutes, uh, I said, we currently have all that functionality right now. So really, what service are we using? And I said, Joomla. I'm not familiar with them. Are they a competitor? Well, <laughs> they're not really a service. They're, they're a tool. And so I had ended up educating him uh, on what Joomla is very briefly. He wasn't all that interested. And he said, well, can it do that? Yes. Well, can it does it? Yes. And what's your admit? Yes. It's exactly the same. Yeah. And, um, and so I said, yeah, just out of curiosity, I, I think I've pretty well told you I'm not interested, but what's the cost on, on your product? And he said, I'm trying to remember, I think he said for a school our size, which again, as I've mentioned before, we're a very small school district. It's going to be about $4,000 a year. And I nearly choked on, on his words. $4,000 a year is, uh, 7% of my overall budget, something like that, uh, on a website, you know, that we don't need. And then I, I kind of balked at it and said, wow, that's really expensive. He said, no, no, compared to our competitors, we're, we're, we're pretty inexpensive. Which is probably true. Yeah. I've heard of, of, uh, you know, web companies, uh, web design companies charging quite a bit more for, right. for sites. And, and I, I don't doubt that. It is probably true. But considering I do everything he just told me, I already do at no cost. 
um, three thousand, four thousand dollars is very expensive. Four thousand dollars a year is ridiculous. Four thousand dollars once is expensive. Four thousand dollars a year is ridiculous. Well, and and here's the real kicker because uh, we went to they have a handout and had sample sites on oh, there. Oh yes, that's great. We went to the, we went to some of these sample sites and they were just they were horrendous. They were terrible. And one yeah. of them was it was a parking site. It wasn't even there. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Like update your marketing materials, right? But uh, and and then too, you could almost tell just by those sample sites that they were probably more than likely their entire system was probably built off the base code for June. It looked very similar. Yes. <laughs> so uh, yeah, just uh, just amazing, you know, what people are out there. And this is uh, we, I'm guessing, probably not going to name the company, but it's a good size. This is a big company. I don't even remember the name of the company. Yeah, so I, I I remember who it was, but uh, I won't I won't say their name, but. Uh, you know, if you're out there buying something like that and not going with a, a Joomla or a Google Sites, then you're crazy. Right. So. So anyway, and this has happened many times over the years. Somebody called me up and asked me, you know, uh, we have this great uh, uh, classroom management system that lets you view all your students' desktops and interact with them and even send text messages back and forth. I said, yeah, so do we. It's called iTalk. And, right. Yeah, we don't pay anything for it. Well, and, you know, a common uh, argument, I guess, uh, if, it, if it could be called that against something like Joomla uh, is – they don't like the the design and the templates and things like that. Well, you can put a Joomla, get a Joomla up and running, and rather than pay four thousand or more a year for a company to host your site, is you know, kick a web designer a thousand bucks to put a slick look on your site. Absolutely. Um, so you get away with a lot less money, and you can you can walk away with a custom template that really looks nice. I actually uh, did that, shop that around. Uh, I didn't end up pulling the trigger because I'm a tightwad, and and so I went and fired up GIMP and, <laughs> and made it myself. But uh, yeah, the the prices I was quoted for a full website was about four thousand dollars for the theme. So okay. for what you would pay for that for a a year, you could have a web designer redesign your website every year if you really wanted to go that route. Right. Right. And you're going to come away with something that's uh, much more personalized, uh, is going to look professional and uh, and something that uh, you still have all that functionality. Uh, yeah. Some of those sites that we saw through there, it just blew me away that somebody was paying $4,000 a year, you know, right. for that site. Now I run everything on my own servers, and so I, I'm, you know, I have the DNS and and all that sort of stuff running, and I have my own Linux server going. But even if you don't want to do that, there are hosting companies out there. And as soon as somebody pays me money, I'll mention the name. But there's hosting companies out there. That was a joke. Uh, that that <laughs> oh, I'm for sorry. insert laugh. Yeah, there insert laugh here. <laughs> that for not a lot of money, you know, and by not a lot of money, I'm talking hundred bucks a year or less. You can host a site like that through. So if you don't want to do all the, the setup and the Linuxy stuff, um, go to some place who has a, you know, like simple scripts on, on a C panel and click a button and Joomla's there. Uh, yeah. And, and I think that, that that's something to note is just about if you pay for a hosting uh, service out there, just about all of them offer Joomla because it's free. It doesn't cost them anything. So they can add that functionality and, and not have to, uh, you know, be out of pocket anything. So they're going to have things like Joomla and WordPress and it's pretty standard. All right, so on to the actual show topic. Uh, this is uh, this show is has always been about doing more with less, and uh, and so that's uh, uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. We're doing more with less in terms of time and manpower. 
And I want to tell you a quick story that that makes me chuckle every time I think about it. Um, <laughs> this school that we that that we're in, uh, I've mentioned it uh, uh, a number of times, and I don't, I don't mean to sound like I'm bragging, but well, I'm bragging. Um, it's <laughs> this this building was was designed from the ground up for a one to one implementation, but not a not a hand every kid a laptop implementation, but an, an every kid has a computer at his desk implementation. So uh, at this uh, compu- at this school, every student has a desktop uh, at every desk that they go into, and it's hardwired from the ground up to do that. Uh, while we were building uh, this structure, in the process of it, the uh, uh, fire alarm and burglar alarm system guy was in here doing some work, and uh, uh, we were almost finished with it at the time, and, and um, he was in our room uh, in the server room setting up their gear, and, and we were talking about it, and he said, you guys you know, where's where's the rest of your team? Uh, because we manage about, uh, uh, well, I'd have to look in Spiceworks, but I think we're up to about 800 machines that it's found so far. Right. By the way, liking Spiceworks, not loving it. Uh, so just thought I'd throw that out there. Yeah. Um, uh, and so, you know, between two guys and then we have, you know, student help here and there, we're managing uh, about 800 computers across three campuses uh, and, and keeping everything running. And uh, this building represents uh, just under half of all those computers. And uh, so he was like, there's no way you guys can do this. I'm going to come back here in six months, and you're going to have a cot over there in the corner, and your beards are going to be down to your belly buttons, and you're going to look like Rip Van Winkle because you never leave this place. There's no way you're going to be able to do this. Well, I mean, we didn't like make him a bat or anything, but we told him, no, we think we can handle it. Well, it just so happened that his equipment broke down about six months later, and he was out here uh, doing some work on it. And, uh, you know, not only were we not living up here and we didn't have a cot in the corner, we took an, an hour off and took him to lunch uh, and, and talked about it because he was just blown away, away by what we do. So... I say all that to say that people have this expectation of... um that it takes a lot of people to manage a lot of computers, but it really doesn't. It takes uh, a couple of people who are doing things uh, the tightwad way uh, and right. doing things. You know, my one of my favorite expressions is don't work harder, work smarter. And so we try to work smarter around here. And uh, so we're just going to go through some of those things that allow us to uh, work smarter, not harder. And one of the tools that, that we use is called Cornerstone from Centurion Technology. Uh, you've heard of tools like it, Deep Freeze. Uh, uh, there are other tools like it, but it's a, it's a tool that um, freezes the state of your computer. And um, every time you reboot it, all changes are lost. So you give your kids this uh, sort of golden setup, and every time you reboot it, it goes away. That is, you know, I, I've often said I'm a tightwad, but I'm willing to, to pay for things that are good. That is one of those things that I paid for gladly, willingly, and happily. And, and you know, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful tool and worth every penny. I think we pay about $11 per workstation that that's on and, and worth every penny of it. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, and that's not annually. It was, there was a certain amount of, uh, I think it was 11 up front and then there's like maybe three on an annual maintenance or something like that. But anyway, um, before that, by Christmas time, all of our labs would be unusable. They were, you know, bogged down with spyware and crapware and, and stuff. And now it just doesn't happen. The kid can do whatever he wants. And our kids run as full admin rights on their computers because it doesn't matter. I mean, you can format the C drive and it doesn't matter. It'll actually let you format the C drive. And then when you reboot, it'll come right back. Yeah. 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 It's a, it's a beautiful one. And, uh, I just added something at the bottom of the notes there that really 
kind of goes hand in hand with this, uh, and uh, we can jump into that. But uh, CompuGuard, I, I just we couldn't do our jobs right without it. There's just so, no way. Uh, that's the product we use. In fact, it doesn't even exist anymore. If you go to centuriontech.com, you won't find CompuGuard or Cornerstone. They've replaced it with something else. Whatever you use, I'm not here to recommend uh, brands, but whatever you use, find something like that and pay for it. It's worth the effort. Uh, Microsoft has a free offering called Steady State that isn't that great. Um, that's my estimation of it. And in fact, they've even discontinued it, but it's still out there. You can find it, but it's not considered a supported tool. So I wouldn't recommend going that route. Uh, these are Windows tools I'm talking about. I don't know if Mac tools exist. And on a Linux uh, system, uh, you can do the same thing with a simple script that deletes the user uh, folder, the home folder, and, and uh, when they log off, I used to do that on our on our Linux desktops. But whatever you whatever you choose, something like that is huge. Yeah, uh, it amazes me, and even in our uh, oh, I don't know either emails, but in our tight uh, in our tightwad tech, uh, you know, community community. Yeah, I want to say family. Uh, uh, I've got family on the brain, <laughs> but uh, I've I've fielded a couple of emails or posts where people talk about that, you know, and they've uh, somehow or another, they're trying to remove a virus or the spyware or whatever. And they spent hours and hours on it. And I'm thinking, why, right? Why, 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 why are you doing that? Uh, and this, you know, it's obvious they don't have anything like this in place. So uh, it's just a must have if you're going to do like we do and, you know, wow people by how much we are able to do just the two of us and hand in hand with that for machines that we don't want to reset themselves every time they reboot we use fog and of course we've talked about fog uh, infinitely on this show it could be called the fog show some days Uh, (laughs) but we have developed a 20 minute rule and and this 20 minute rule applies to 99 percent of our people uh i'm not going to tell the superintendent i'm not going to call the 20 minute rule on the superintendent and right i'm probably not going to call the 20 minute rule on the bookkeeper but for just about everybody else um sean and i will spend 20 minutes working on your problem or one of our, our student workers will spend 20 minutes working on your problem in the 21st minute we re-image it yeah so uh how do we do that there are certain things you have to have in place to be able to do that our teachers have uh unlimited storage um, to put whatever they want on the network. So do our students. Yeah. And it's up to them to be saving stuff there. Plus, they have admin rights on their machines. So after we re-image it, they can just go back and install their own software. Now, if you run one of those networks that's super locked down so much that the people can't even right-click, uh, that would be very difficult because then you would have to go back and reinstall and reset up everything, or hopefully you've got fog configured where it does that. But we don't do it that way. A teacher has full access to their machines. They are admins. They can do whatever they want. They can hose it in whatever way they see fit, understanding that, we will only spend 20 minutes working on it. In the 21st minute, we re-image it, which takes about 10 minutes. So 30-minute downtime from the time they that we get there on scene to fix the problem to the time that they're usually back up and running. And then if they've got all their user data saved off on, on our uh, server like they should, nothing's lost. Right. And if they haven't saved it all on the, war, on, on the server uh, like they should, it's their fault. Because we've had this policy for a long time now. Yeah, that's one thing that uh, that I noticed coming in here. I've been here uh, o- over two years now, but uh, it was just that that the teachers understood that 
from the moment I stepped in here and uh, they knew that that could happen really at any time. So one that pushed them towards network storage, which was a good thing. Um, and we have had a few that, you know, had to learn that lesson the hard way and had some things, uh, you know, on their, their personal machine. Um, but uh, you know, Network storage is great. They seem to understand that and use it quite a bit. And, um, they don't really squawk too much when we say, <laughs> I'm going to reimage you. Right. Uh, and they understand that, you know, so that's great. However, also knowing that if it's not a big problem, they often don't report it. If it's something they can live with, just a little annoyance. And, and, you know, it's like when you scratch your bumper, but the, the, the repair per, uh, place wants $5,000 to replace the entire front end of your car. You drive it around with a scratched bumper. So we have a lot of computers out there with scratch bumpers on them. That little, little annoying things that don't necessarily, uh, li- uh, inhibit their everyday function, but aren't quite working as smoothly as they should. So the end user then has some ownership in deciding, do I want my machine erased or can I live with this problem? And so, you know, there, you are maybe running a little less efficient than you should be. But again, that comes down to the end user and they have that ownership. And when they feel like they own their system and their network, they're much more likely to A, take care of it and B, treat it with respect. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and they feel, uh, we hear all the time, my computer, my computer, they, they've got a little bit more ownership of their computer and their experience. Uh, so, uh, they have that and they understand that with that freedom, uh, comes some responsibility. Spider-Man with great responsibility, uh, with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, great. And that's it. Fog goes hand in hand with that. Uh, when you can image a computer in six minutes, uh, it's a lot easier to implement that right. rule. <laughs> <laughs> but we had that rule even before we had fog back when we had to yeah. take cds around it's still much more time efficient and labor efficient to simply re-image a machine than than spend all afternoon trying to get uh, antivirus 2009 off of it right and then and generally once a machine is hosed to that degree you can never trust it again anyway yeah, that's why I'm a big proponent of, of re-imaging because, uh, when you've got a machine that's got any kind of a bug in it, uh, I, I just, I, I don't agree with even trying to fix it. It's, you know, you, and if you do try to fix it, it's just enough to be able to get that critical data off of it and then re-image it. And I can you know? hear some of you out there now calling us hypocrites. I will let you know, Sean and I both store all of our stuff on the network too, and both of us in the last six months have had to re-image our computers yeah. because they weren't working right, and we wouldn't allow ourselves to spend all day trying to fix it. We've got other stuff to do. Right. We re-image our own machines, and we, we eat our own dog food in that, reg- uh, that regard. Yeah, but you know, the funny thing is once, you, once you've had to do that, it's even that much more valuable to you. You know, we had something, uh, we both had some pretty major hardware, uh, issues. And rather than, you know, taking a week to be back up and running, you know, you can be back up and running in a matter of minutes. Uh, that's, that makes a huge difference. So I love it. Sean, you, you put in there something about the virtual machines. I'll let you talk about that. Yeah, I, ju- I did just in the show notes just put VMs, uh, very nondescript, but, uh, we run a, a great deal of VMs here and a lot of the tools that we use, uh, we run through VMs, uh, uh, Spiceworks that we just got up and running. Uh, we installed on a VM and I don't know, you could probably ramble off 
But with that comes, yeah, we've got lots of servers. Uh, in fact, I was just explaining to uh, uh, somebody that I was training recently, uh, uh, Sean's replacement while he was out, uh, that we only have uh, like four servers, physical boxes, and all the other servers are virtual servers. Right. And so like for, for example, Spiceworks, we didn't have an extra computer laying around uh, that we could do- uh, dedicate to it. We have some, but, uh, you know, they're earmarked for whatever. Um, and so I just create a new virtual machine running Windows XP, um, and, and, and boom, it's done. And so, uh, but also for our desktops, if we have an app that doesn't work quite right under Vista or 7 that we're using, right. uh, we'll run some of those things in virtual machines. And it allows you to do things... Um, uh, in a more cost-efficient manner in that you can have a small amount of uh, high-powered hardware rather than a larger amount of lower-powered hardware. Right. And I, I don't think that, you know, anybody who's looking uh, from the technology side to, uh, I don't think this is a really big surprise. I think VMs are pretty commonplace now, but a great deal of the tools, it, it makes it easier for us to access them and we can be running several at the same time. And, uh, so, uh, I can have, uh, you know, I can be in, uh, well, fog's a bad example cause it's browser. You've got that browser interface, but, uh, well, iTalk is a great example. Right. iTalk does not work very well. Um, in windows seven and they, uh, great news. They're, they're planning on a release by the end of the year. Um, uh, Tobias, I believe is his name, has a, has a, uh, uh, a thing on his website. I need to see if I can get him to come on. I don't think he speaks English, but I need oh, to see wow. if I can get somebody or doesn't speak it well from the email he sent me. I don't think he speaks it well, but I bet there's somebody <laughs> on that team who could come on. That would be awesome. Anyway, uh, uh, sidetrack there. Uh, they're working on something that will be fully Windows 7, Windows Vista compatible, but right now it doesn't. And so Sean and I both find that it runs a lot better if we run it in a virtual machine. Right. Uh, now Windows 7 comes with its own, uh, virtualization if you have professional or higher with its own virtualization engine in it, uh, that comes with a full, uh, XP license and everything. Uh, we don't like that as much. We use VirtualBox from, uh, I started to say Sun, but it's now Oracle. Uh, yeah. and, uh, and, and we use that tool, but it, it, it helps with, uh, uh, gaining functionality, particularly, uh, when we're looking at this issue of, of moving into this new operating system. A lot of people are, are dealing with that issue. Do we, do we stick with XP or do we go to, to Windows 7? But if you go to Windows 7, it leaves a lot of apps behind. Microsoft realized this and that's why the virtualization platform is even there that's why they give you that xp mode quote unquote in windows 7 yeah and i think their xp mode will be fine for most users we're power users so we uh you know we found that there was some missing functionality there uh and, and maybe not missing functionality but your uh transitioning back and forth between one and another is so much smoother in virtual box right. uh, especially uh, virtual box has a few tweaks there that it's just uh i can run xp on one screen and i Mark and I both run dual monitors and I can have my XP machine up on the right side and I'm in seven on the left side and, you know, move back and forth with my cursor and keyboard and everything else seamlessly. Uh, so, uh, virtual boxes is a great thing. So yeah, both at the machine level and the server level VMs, uh, even though, uh, you know, I think most people who know what a VM is understand that that's kind of what they're made for is, uh, to, to increase your capacity. Um, still worth mentioning. I mean, and we use them quite a bit. 
Right. And the next thing that we've mentioned already several times in the episode is ITALC. Uh, we did a whole episode on ITALC. Uh, uh, well, it was at least in heavily featured. I don't think the whole episode was about it. But anyway, uh, it stands for Intelligent Teaching and Learning with Computers. It's a remote uh, uh, classroom management. If you're familiar with VNC or PC Anywhere or, or those sort of tools, it's it's there. It's actually built on the, uh, the code base for VNC. Uh, and so... Um, it enables us to, uh, we've always talked about it from a classroom management standpoint, how right. a teacher can manage her students and, and lock them out, whatever. But we use it from a support standpoint. And I remember the day, uh, 98, 99, long ago, uh, when I first discovered VNC. Uh, I was aware of uh, PC Anywhere, which was the big dog at the time, um, and remote desktop was around. I was aware, but they were in, they were expensive and not really a, a good option, and Microsoft's uh, Windows remote desktop wasn't as mature as it is now. When I discovered VNC, it was an amazing lifesaver. Uh, at that time, we're not so much so now, but at that time, we were a very spread out district. So yeah. my office was not physically near anything. And so everything I did, even if I walked over, uh, went over to some secretary's computer and clicked a button on her desktop, said, there, now it'll work. That was like a four-mile drive. Right. And so once I discovered network remote controls in VNC, it was just a huge uh, time saver. And I don't think we're uh, saying anything new. It's been around for a long time now, you know, 10, 15 years now. And I'm sure everybody who listens to this show who's in a support capacity uh, is is using that. But it is one of the indispensable tools, uh, remote computing, ITALC, VNC, whatever you want to do, that you just can't be effective without. And, and I know that a lot of people... Uh, um, uh, like the face-to-face sort of thing. But again, you've got to think in terms of efficiency. Um, even if you could just walk across the hall and, and help the secretary, do it remotely. Get them used to the idea of doing it remotely because it makes you that much more efficient. Well, and here's another uh, thing to that end is I think it also makes it much more likely for people to actually call you with their problems uh, or or submit a ticket. They or feel less like they're bothering. Right. You know, you don't have to get up from your desk and drive four miles across town, and you know, which we don't have to do anyways. But still, if I want to go to the middle school or to the elementary school, uh, I have to walk several hundred yards uh, and get up from my desk and go. And, you know, that's a lot of extra time to take care of one little problem. And the teachers now understand uh, they're really comfortable with the idea that we can remote in and take care of a vast majority of the problems uh, without ever getting up from our desk and probably taking, uh, you know, easily one third the time that it would have taken before. Um, another thing that I think is worth mentioning is that uh, we do use both ITALC and VNC still, and uh, I, I don't see us ever really uh, being able, well, ever's a, a, a big word there, but, uh, you know, getting away from something like VNC because there are some, uh, added benefits of VNC over ITALC, you know, being able to open up, uh, multiple machines at the same time. Uh, so if I need to remote into two or three different machines simultaneously, I'm going to probably use VNC for that because ITALC doesn't allow you that functionality. Now, having said that, you can't do them 
at the same time with the current version uh one of the pre-release notes that i've read is that the new version is going to allow them to be side by side so that you'll be able to have italc and vnc running on the same computer uh oh nice right right now we have to mentally know okay is this user on vnc or is this somebody we've already moved over to italc we don't have any of our servers on vnc we have uh, on italc we have them all on vnc just because uh, we need to sometimes open up more right, than one because of the nature of what they do so i'm really yeah. looking forward to having that option to be able to do either with with both yeah, absolutely. And then also, uh, again, you said we've talked about it from a classroom uh, perspective, but it's nice for me to be able to, uh, I have a, uh, somebody at the middle school call me with a problem and I can pull up an entire group that's all middle school teachers and I can, at a quick glance, get a look at every single one of their desktops. Uh, and, and, uh, it just makes it a lot quicker easier uh, sometimes it's it's almost necessary to to track down a problem and uh, uh so uh, italc's a great tool for that and then uh, the next thing on our list is not really a uh, a tool not a technology but a uh, a mindset and um, I have teachers, uh, a kid with me, that I need to have make a ticket stand, stamped across my forehead because that's <laughs> they really. I only say ever ever two things: uh, reboot and make a ticket. Because uh, yeah. generally, rebooting will fix it, and if not, you need to make a ticket. Um, and that goes to the the workflow, the procedures, the the policies that you have in place. It's important. I've discovered uh, now. Sean is here, and and I'm sort of the the network manager, and he's the desktop support. But for the first ten years I did this job, I was both. Okay, yeah. and so I added somebody uh, just relatively, you know, recently in my career. Uh, and so one of the things that I learned that that changed uh, the way things work for me and made me more efficient was um, to be less accommodating. Uh, as as com- convoluted as that sounds, we are servants. And this is this is about customer service. We do work for our users, and that's that's our philosophies. I told Sean that the day I interviewed him for the job, you're a servant here, and you're coming here, uh, and you're not going to be a boss. You're going to be a waiter, uh, and that's that's the way it is. But sometimes, the the way to be the most effective is to be less accommodating. And so, if somebody stops you in the hall and says, "Oh, I have this one quick thing." Well, the next person is going to stop and say, oh, I have this one quick thing. And there's a reason you're in the hall in the first place, right? You're on yeah. your way to do something. And if five one quick things keep you from that, that's not making you more effective. And so um, uh, I we have a, a policy here. And our fortunately, our superintendent and our, our administration um, stand behind it. And that is nothing gets done without a ticket. Unless it's an absolute emergency. If it's something that cannot wait two hours, that's our minimum. We have different uh, levels of, of need on our ticket system. It's two to four hours, four to 12 hours, 12 to 48 hours, or more than 48 hours. So the user gets to set the importance of their ticket, knowing that we can reset it if they if we think we've o- they've overestimated the importance of their ticket. Yeah, you, you always have that teacher out there that every single thing is it's uh, critical. It's critical, right? yeah. But if it's less than two hours, if you need it now, if, if you're um lesson plan involved uh showing a movie and you've got kids filing in right now and the bulb just burned out on your projector call me don't don't put a ticket in on that that's something right. you got to deal with uh, but anything else make a ticket in fact just uh an hour before we sat down to do this podcast the elementary principal was in here and, uh in our office and he said you know i need you guys to do you know whatever it was and i said i will do that as soon as i see a ticket 
Yeah. And and that's just the way it is. We have to have a a set of uh procedures and and you have to stick with it. And then uh, inherent in that is to set proper expectations. Um the the classification is is a big part of it there. Yes, the, every teacher thinks every issue is critical. That's normal. People do that. When I have a problem, I think it's critical. Yeah. So it's hard for me to look at something and say, well, this can wait more than 48 hours. So naturally, it's human nature to put everything as critical. One of the, the analogies that I've used for, for my teachers here and, and the one that seemed to, to help is, is like the television show Dr. How, uh, House, the television show House. One yeah. of my favorite shows. I hope you've uh, at least seen it enough to understand what I'm talking about. But for... Uh, 58 minutes of this 60 minute television show, Dr. House is wrong. And in the last yeah. two minutes, he's right. Okay. Yeah. So for 58 minutes, he's trying stuff and hoping he doesn't kill the patient before he cures the patient. That's what we do. And any tech who won't fess up to that is either an egomaniac or a liar or both. Yeah. We're, we're wrong more than we're right, right by a whole lot. Well, and that's just the nature of troubleshooting tech, right? You're like, uh, okay, what's the most likely? Okay, we're going to try this. Let's try it. No, that didn't fix it. Uh, okay, let's try this. Right? And you just keep going back and forth and doing that. Right. Just like doctors troubleshoot the complex system of the human body by making educated guesses. They're educated, intelligent, well-thought-out guesses, but they are guesses. Yeah. How many of you have been to the doctor only to have him change your medication three times? Because the first one didn't do it. You know, that antibiotic wasn't strong enough. We, we need to give you something else. It's just the way it is. The, our systems that we work on are every bit as complex as the human body. And we can't be expected to know everything, even though our teachers think we do. And, and we appreciate that they think so highly of us. But we don't know everything. We can't know everything. And the important thing to be able to do is to admit to a teacher, look, I don't know. I've never seen this. I've been doing this 19 years. I've never seen this before. This is a total new one on me. I'm guessing my way through this. If you're honest with them about that, that sets the tone, that sets the expectation, and they appreciate that. Well, and it's important to note that uh, exactly what you just said, we have said to teachers in staff training. So, uh, again, you know, eating your own dog food is, uh, you know, we don't have the inflated ego that we can't step down and say, Hey, look, teachers, we don't know it all, you know, and we're going to do our best. And I, I just think, uh, one important aspect of just being able to admit that and do that is, uh, you get people more willing to open tickets, more willing to, when you ask them, please look, I need a ticket. You know, they buy into that whole process more and they're more on the, on your team. Uh, so, uh, when it comes to, you know, let's call it team building, uh, it's important to get that point across to your end users. Just yesterday afternoon, I had, uh, a, uh, one of the secretaries at the admin called me, uh, with an issue. I remoted into her machine using iTalk and I went, huh. <laughs> Meaning, yeah. I've never seen this before. That's interesting. And so uh, I could tell she was going on about her business, and I appreciate when they do that. But we were on the phone. She was filing papers or whatever, and I was clicking away, click, 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 click on the keyboard. She said, you're Googling, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. I've never seen this before. I'm Googling it. But it, what I appreciate, the fact, is that she understood that, and we have been honest with her, uh, with our staff enough in the past, that they know that we don't, that we do that. You know, while we're on the phone with them, we're searching for the answers because we don't know and we're making it up. Yeah. And then I figured out what it was and I made a little note, uh, somewhere else in our, uh, documentation so that I could come up with that later if I needed it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Good stuff. Uh, 
Well, uh, okay, I guess we'll... I tried to lead you into that, and you missed it. I said right, the word documentation. The very next <laughs> thing on the notes at. was document, and you just missed it. So much totally for smooth radio that. guys. Yeah, I'm looking yeah. at keep spares on it. No, 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 that's not it. Okay, document everything, yeah. Uh, and I guess it was a good person to follow up with that would be me. Because we'll we'll I'm call a, that sleep deprivation uh, kicking that, because that yes, was the perfect segue. Yes. You could have looked really smart. Instead, no, not so much. No, I do that a lot, though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'd like to blame that on new baby, but I, I don't think I can do that. Uh, yeah, right. Document everything. Uh, I guess Mark would just have to vouch for me on this. I'm a document junkie. I mean, I, and it, a big part of that is, uh, I got a little bit of absent minded professor syndrome. Uh, it's just who I am. So I always have to leave myself breadcrumbs. And, uh, so I will document everything. I document everything for myself. Uh, another, uh, important reason to do this is to keep your end user, uh, in the loop of what's going on. Uh, seems like, uh, maybe my predecessor didn't do that as much as I do. Cause I've, heard, I've gotten, you know, a lot of teachers really comment on the on the volume of feedback that i give them i let them know where their where their task is uh, how it's going if i'm working on it what's going on how much more time are we looking at that kind of thing and they really appreciate it and i'm going to tell you if you are participating towards them and you're talking to them uh through the trouble ticket system you know which is uh you know our vehicle uh they are going to be more likely to use the system. So uh, it's just like a forum or anything else. You know, if there's no content there, there's no interaction there, nobody participates. So it's very important to uh, go ahead and document things for yourself and also document things for those users. As I've said many, many times on, on the course of the show, I'm pretty OCD about a lot of things. I'm very Rain Man-ish and I keep meticulous notes. Sean makes me look like a kindergartner with a crayon compared to, you know, I keep meticulous notes. He keeps insane notes. He writes every little step down, but it has worked out because there have been times and we share a Google Apps account and, uh, you know, another plug for Google Apps. Everything right. is searchable, right? And we have this folder called tech department that we both put everything in. And because he is so anal about <laughs> documenting every little thing if you search for something in that box there in google docs you're gonna find something where he wrote you know my yeah. butt itched and he'll put it in there you know everything yeah. goes goes in there at some point <laughs> sorry that was crude but <laughs> <laughs> no but you're right and i mean how many times already we've been on google docs for less than a year now and we're like man you know I don't know, six or eight months ago, we had something like that happen and we'll sit there in Google docs and we'll, we'll Google it. And sure enough, there's some right. note that I've popped in there about it was great. You know. Just, just the other day, um, I searched uh, a term in my Gmail box and I got an email from Sean and the, to the entire text of the email was sending this in Google docs. So we'll be able to search it later and then a link to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it worked. Yeah. And that is, it, it, yeah, Google Docs was like totally made for me or made by somebody like me, you know, the absent minded professor. But, uh, but again, back to, you know, there's yet another efficiency, right? So, uh, we're not having to research the same thing twice because it last happened 18 months ago. And uh, before we had Google Docs, I put everything in a wiki. We had a tech department wiki and every little thing, any, any little idiosyncrasy, any oddity, uh, we made a wiki entry and it was searchable and, and, and that worked out. And then we converted that wiki over to a series of Google Docs. But whatever your method, whatever you choose to do, document everything. Even if you think you can remember, it 
you're not always going to be there or you may need help someday uh, somewhere down the line. And instead of you wasting your time explaining your methods to somebody else, if you document everything and simply point them at that documentation, it will make you more efficient. And then also, yeah. if you're able to share that documentation with the end user, they see what's going on. They have buy-in. We've said that a thousand times. Buy-in. If the user has ownership to the process, if that if they look at that computer and think that's their computer, if they look at the network and think that's their network, if they see a problem and say this is our problem, it helps. If it's yeah. if if when something breaks down, your tech says that's your problem. There's no ownership there. If when something breaks down, the 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 teacher says that's our problem. There's ownership. And so they, they're, uh, that's important. And documentation goes a long way to that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think, I guess, uh, well, let's just jump right in. I'd love to just, you know, smoothly lead you into this one, but, uh, the very next point would be, <laughs> uh, Sean is, is one of the most trained individuals, uh, that I've ever known in the art of leadership. Uh, we've mentioned that before that he comes, uh, from, uh, the, uh, the, uh, uh, world of, of, of finance, finance and corporation <laughs> and all that sort of thing. And leadership training is, is, is a big thing that he's done. And so he's going to do about a 30 minute soliloquy on his <laughs> years of, of leadership training. But before he does that, I'm going to get my last point and then I'm going to take a nap. Yeah, that's what I was going to, I was trying and to so, lead you right, into that. I don't, I mean, and, and so, um, <laughs> one of the things that we have found crucial is having a parts closet, having stock on hand. And I don't just mean keyboards and hard drives and my I mean whole systems. Yeah. If you are buying uh, 50 computers to go in a couple of labs, buy 55 just to keep, keep five in a corner. Okay, yeah. and and people, I've I've taken a lot of abuse for this policy in the past, and say those things are a thousand bucks a piece. You've got five thousand dollars sitting in the corner that you're not using. That's wasteful. It's not. It's efficient. That way, when a machine goes down, I swap it out, and the user is out minutes. Of, of use. And then yeah. I can take my time. I can fix that. I can send it back to Dell for warranty repair. I can deal with the manufacturer. I can do whatever I need to do at my leisure. And if it takes me three weeks to fix that problem, it's not that big a deal because it's a spare at this point. When I do get it fixed, it's going to go back on the shelf. So my rule has always been to keep two or three percent overage of whatever you do. So if you're going to buy a hundred computers, buy a hundred and three. Uh, 3% is, is about what I do. I always keep hard, extra hard drives on hand, on hand. I always keep extra CD-ROMs on hand. And this has bitten me in the past. Uh, a few uh, months ago during our summer cleanup cycle, we had a, a recycler come and take some old equipment. And one of the things he took away was an unopened box of 25 Sound Blaster 16 sound cards. I <laughs> never opened, <Yeah. laughs> but we were having issues with sound cards uh, on the on a particular uh, it, uh, brand of machines. I found a good deal. I bought a case of them, bought twenty five of them, and at that time they were fairly expensive. That probably represented two thousand dollars worth of gear that I bought there and never used. Yes, that is technically wasteful, and and it's I wish I hadn't done that. But had I needed ten of those and was able to just pop them right in, that money would have been well spent. So you have to gauge. You don't want to overbuy, and you don't want to buy things that you n don't think you'll ever use. You know, if yeah. you if you have, don't keep an extra $10,000 server just lying around. You know, be smart about it. But keeping spares on hand is critical to being efficient. And again, as we've said a 100 times, 
We are not technicians. We are in the customer service business. Our customer service just happens to be about tech. And it's yeah. all about the end user. If you start to see your teachers and your administrators as your customers and that your job is to keep them happy, not to keep the network running, keeping the network running is simply one part of keeping them happy. So while some say it's not the tightwad thing to do, it is the efficient thing to do. Always keep spares on hand. And good quality spares, not junk that you've refurbished. Something new that you can drop in and will be an exact replicate replacement of what you're taking away. Well, and uh, again, there's another thing that fog goes right hand in hand with that because we can drop a machine in and have the teacher back up and running just the way they were before uh, inside of, you know, five to ten minutes. So, uh, you know, again, we have to have fog for that to to really be optimized uh i think also it's kind of funny because there's two like polarized views of that if you were in in corporate america that's not that's not wasteful right because there's hard dollars and cents that go to every user being down because every user being online at least in the finance world uh meant more money for the company so there was a very real value to having plenty of backups so that not a single person was down for more than, you know, uh, five, 10 minutes. Um, it was very rare that you had, uh, anybody down for longer than that. Uh, now in education, that's a little bit harder to justify, right? I mean, a teacher being down for an hour or whatever doesn't, you know, equate to hard dollars and cents. Uh, but I still think there's huge value there. Uh, and obviously for the teachers, and again, that goes back to the user, but you know, uh, just like anybody else, teachers have very busy schedules and very, uh, you know, their desks are full of stuff that they've got to take care of. So to have an hour of lost work, you know, kind of hits them tenfold. So the quicker we can have them back up and running, uh, you know, it's just, it's better for everybody. And I think it's well worth uh, the money that we spend. Absolutely. So uh, I guess, since I just dabbled on the the whole corporate world, I can just go right back into that. Uh, yeah, Mark, you mentioned uh, that is absolutely my background and really leadership in general. I mean, I came out of uh, you know being a sergeant in the Marine Corps and went right into the finance world and uh, quickly ascended the corporate ladder there and uh, became a finance executive. And uh, so the reason I lead into that is that. Uh, being a finance executive, there's a lot of demands on your time. Uh, for example, I had uh, 600 employees across two offices, one in California, one here in Texas. And uh, there was always the birds chirping, you know, for, for the worms, so to speak. There was always somebody that was needing something from you. And if you didn't manage your time well, you were not an effective executive. It was just that simple. Uh, so I can't even go into all of the training and all of the tape series and books that I've read and everything else. It's, uh, it's just something you do as an executive. Uh, I will mention a couple of things. Uh, I think that were, you know, had a big impact on me and really made me more effective. Uh, and this first one I hate just because it's so, I don't know, cliche or, you know, overused, right. The, but the seven habits of highly effective, uh, well, people, leaders, yeah, moms, uh, they've put out so many different, uh, Uh, just, I wanted to interject there in the Marine Corps, you were a leader. In the corporate world, where you were an executive, in the the, uh, education world, you're an administrator. Those are all the same thing. All right. Right. And too many administrators have dispensed with leadership to administrate. You're leaders here. 
And and so what we're talking about here, a part of the efficiency scale is being a leader. Yeah, and you know it's it's kind of funny, but. Uh, it, because really, I mean, well, ours is a two rung ladder, but I'm the bottom one, you know. <laughs> so, but very short ladder, right? But it, it still seems like uh, it, it's amazing that the training that I got in the corporate world uh, applies to the job I'm doing right now, and that's because of the workload that we have. Uh, the workload, uh, and you know, there's a lot of interpersonal relationship uh, training that I had as well that it really you know comes into play, but. Uh, but if I don't manage my time effectively, you know, this house of cards just falls down. Uh, so uh, I understand why there's people out there asking about these things. And I'm not going to, like I said, I'm not going to list all of every single training seminar and school and all this, all, all these different things I went to. But uh, I will just give a couple that I think, you know, uh, helped me maybe, uh, along the way, the seven habits is good. I mean, you don't have to, I went to like a week long course on the seven habits. It was, miserable uh <laughs> give us the 20 second overview of stephen covey's seven habits well uh, uh i don't even know if i want to hit on okay i'll just hit all the ha- uh maybe that's this might be copyrighted maybe i should no, just just a, yeah just a twenty thousand foot view well i think uh some of the biggest things is uh you know watch out for for distractions you know we talk about the people stopping you in the hall and things like that and you really can't do that uh I don't, I had copied the seven habits out of the uh, website, but, uh, one big thing that I saw, uh, I learned there, I learned through some other training as well is the ability to say no. And you have to be able to, you know, you don't say no like a jerk, you know, but you have to be able to tell people no, uh, if there's somebody who's receptive, you know, let them know why you're saying no. Uh, but it's in everybody's best interest sometimes that you just have to be able to say no. I can't, I can't take care of that for you right now. Fill out a ticket. ticket. Yeah. (laughs) Make a ticket and I'll get to that as soon as I can. And, uh, so long as you're a person who follows up on their word, people will begin to buy into that and they'll begin to understand. And, uh, it makes things a lot easier. So if you're trying to do time management on your own, it's, it's an uphill battle. You really have to get, uh, that entire team working with you, uh, to do that. And, and they'll start to understand that things get done quicker when they're not stopping you in the halls. Um, and we've had to make that point specifically to the teachers in training before. Don't do that. Um, uh, another uh, bit of training I went to, which we talked about earlier today, was Pathways, uh, which was a, like a lifestyle management thing. And the, the company s- spent ridiculous money to send me to this thing. But, again, that was a big one where I learned to say no because, uh, well, a big part of what maybe got me up the corporate ladder was – being a yes guy, right? It was always, yes, I can take care of that and I can take care of that and I can take care of that. And, uh, you know, soon you don't have any family or friends or, you know, nobody wants to have anything to do with you because you're always working. Uh, so, you know, being able to say no is going to make you more effective and, uh, you just really have to learn how to do that. I just encourage people to go out. I listened to a ton of tape series and I was voracious as far as that went. And, uh, now I'm sure you can get them. Uh, I haven't looked out there, but, uh, in podcasts or something you can listen to on an MP3 player or in the car, uh, but go out there. There's a wealth of stuff just that revolves around time management. It's very much you're going to run into the same concepts over and over again. But really, uh, it's good practice. If you keep listening to this stuff over and over, uh, it will become habit and uh, you'll start to work it into your daily life if you're really, you know, honest and wanting to improve. And, uh, 
Yeah. I mean, that's what I did. And it, it's, it's worked out great. And, you know, it made me where I could make a transition into a job like this and those skills just automatically translated. Right. And what I, what I've said before, uh, and what I told, uh, my boss when I wanted to hire Sean was I wasn't hiring him for his technical skill. I was hiring him for his people skills. And, and that is every bit as important, uh, at part of a job as having the technical skills. If, uh, <laughs> I think we've may have mentioned it on the podcast before, uh, that Saturday night live skit, uh, Nick, your company's computer guy, right? <laughs> I love he that came word. in, he fixed it. Move! You know, he came in and fixed the problem. Maybe, maybe everybody feel like a jerk, uh, like an idiot in the process. If you fix their problem, but break the relationship, they don't care that you fix the problem. So uh, an, an important part of being effective and being efficient is being uh, a good person and being friendly and having those people skills. And, and as I've mentioned before on this podcast, the skill set necessary for being a tech and the skill set necessary for being people person don't always overlap. And so you often have an issue with somebody who's a gifted tech or doctor. You have the same thing, the, the gifted yeah. doctor with a terrible bedside manner. Um, work on that. It is an important part of your job. Yeah. And again, you go into corporate structure or cor corporate culture. It's all about teamwork. I mean, it's just constantly driven home, you know, teamwork, teamwork, teamwork. And this is a big component of that is the fact that it's going to make everybody more efficient because everybody works together so much better. So you have to build relationships with your end users and uh, positive relationships. And uh, because I guarantee you, if you upset them, they are going to do everything they can to make things more difficult for you. And you may not even know that that's happening, but I'm going to tell you collectively in the background, they're making your life more miserable. Uh, so, uh, yeah, if you don't have those relationship skills, which a lot of techs don't, uh, work on them. And again, if you've got to go out and get some, you know, buy some books or listen to some tape series or do whatever you have to do to work on that and even if uh, try to make it as, appear as genuine as possible, but even if it's not genuine, <laughs> you still need to do it. You need to serve your end user with a smile. You know, those, those basic customer service types of things. So, uh, yeah. All right. So we'll wrap this up. And some of you out there are probably, um, rolling your eyes and thinking we've been going here for almost an hour, uh, about preaching at you. Look, you ask for this. Okay. This isn't <laughs> like an episode where the iPad, where I just came out and started talking. This is direct response to, repeated and multiple requests from different people uh, in the community. So we're not preaching at you. We're answering your questions. You ask how we do it. This is how we do it. And the customer service aspect, the being, the being friendly aspect, the people skills is part of how we do it and how we're able to do more with less. It's not always about the people. If you can let somebody know in a friendly way that you can't help them, um, sometimes that's as good as helping them. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I'm going to move on uh, quickly to our uh, tips of the week, and we'll get out of this. Uh, um, uh, Earthly Dilemma, that's his handle in our in our forums, uh, uh, made a post uh, regarding our last show uh, uh, of, of, of tools he can't live without. And literally, the, the next one on my list was one <laughs> of the ones he mentioned. He stole my thunder by yeah. a matter of days. I remember when, um, when that happened. Yeah, it was yeah. like the next one on the list that I was going to talk about. So, Earthly Dilemma, this isn't you. This was me. Nah, I already was planning <laughs> on it. But you just agree with me. It's not me following you. 
Okay. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm sure he's going to believe it. It was very mature of me, wasn't it? <laughs> um, Virtua Win. If you're a Linux user, and I don't know if the same utilities exist on Mac or not, uh, I think that they do. But if you're a Linux user, the concept of having multiple desktops is been built right into Linux as long as there has been a graphical desktop. And what I mean is that you have, you know, your desktop, your collection of windows that you have open, and then you hit a button and you get a clean desktop. Those windows are still open on another desktop. And if if you're a Windows user, that sounds pretty foreign to you. You don't get that. But it's really handy uh, to have, for example, say you're designing uh, a logo for a website. You have all your web stuff on one desktop. You have all your graphics stuff on another desktop. And you can switch back and forth between the two without always having to minimize a bunch of windows to get what you need to. Yeah, or like uh, like what you're doing now, you might have an audio setup where uh, exactly. you know you're recording a podcast, right? And you know you could have one desktop that has all your porn in it, so that when the boss comes in, you just quickly switch to another desktop that has your Excel spreadsheets That's on it. Mark at <laughs> we haven't done one of those. We in a finally while. got one of those. Mark at the Taiwan Tech. It's usually Sean. That's right. So uh, the tool that I use, there are other tools out there, but the tool that I've used for years, Earthly Dilemma, for years, uh, is. <laughs> called virtual win then you can find that at virtualwin.sourceforge.net and i'll put that link in the show notes just like i always do um but what it gives you is a i think you can have up to nine different desktops the default is four and four is what i usually go with uh that you can yeah. switch back and forth to um and once you start using it it's again it's one of those tools that when i sat down on my new computer i needed to switch over i wanted a clean desktop i hit control i moved my mouse over to the next uh, side and nothing happened. I went, oh, wait, I need to install that app. Right. And so it's those sort of things that once you get used to it, once it becomes part of your workflow, you'll wonder how you ever lived without it. That's virtual well, win. Uh, I, I wanted to just uh, get you to expand on this a little bit more. Is this the one that looks, it kind of has the appearance of a cube when it's switching? In Linux only. Windows doesn't have those 3D effects. But in Windows, okay. you can have the cube effect, yeah, where it, it, it pulls the desktop back and spins it around and rotates it to the next desktop. Just a neat little comp is effect that makes all the windows guys drool yeah certainly you know when it's all about the pretty uh people love that kind of thing so i wanted to at least get that slipped in there is it's pretty slick when you see yeah i love doing that at presentations and and that's another great tool i'll have my um slideshow on one desktop and i'll have like any websites i want to go to on another and so instead of having to click a hyperlink out of my webs, uh, uh, my slideshow, I simply hit my hotkey, swap over, do what I want to do, and then swap back over to my desktop that has the uh, slideshow on it. And people are generally impressed when the fancy gear cube comes out and spins around. Yeah. And uh, I usually try to separate the two so it's like desktop one and three, so it has to spin farther and it's a little more impressive. <laughs> All right. Yeah, definitely a great one. Uh, okay. I guess I'll jump in here with the teacher tip of the week. Um, and I don't really have a, a specific name for this one. It is uh, web-based high school chemistry simulations. That just rolls right off the tongue. Uh, right. I know. I, it, you can't even make an acronym out of it. WBHS. CS. Uh, yeah, we'll have a link to this. It's a resource, uh, for, uh, of the Center of Science and Education, uh, at EDC. Uh, and basically what it is, it's really just a catalog site. It's a site that's got, uh, links to other areas. Uh, but, uh, it, 
it's got a whole list of just all these uh, chemistry simulations that you can run through the computer. So if you're a school district like us, uh, where we've got a desktop one-to-one, or if you're, you've got any kind of one-to-one or where you can get kids into a computer lab, you can run these, uh, these, uh, chemistry experiments, uh, on the computer. Uh, so if you're looking for a new way to engage students and, uh, do some of these, uh, the typical chemistry experiments and, and, uh, you know, just d- different labs, I guess you could call them. So it's chemistry without the chemicals. Uh, pretty much, yeah, yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty neat. You got to go check it out. There's some, you know, there's some dry ones in there. Obviously, subject matter probably, but there's actually some kind of cool ones that are animated, and I could just see where it's going to spice up the content a little bit. And so if you're looking to have uh, some student buy-in, some, some maybe more student participation, uh, it's definitely something worth looking at if you're, uh, if you're one of the science teachers. So uh, uh, I guess that's it. Web-based high school chemistry simulation. <laughs> or just thetightwadtech.com, and we'll have a link to it. There. Right, absolutely. Oh, and I did want to mention one of the questions that we talked about our, our help desk a lot. One of the questions we often get is, what help desk system do you use? Uh, we use one that is uh, actually no longer being supported. It's still available, and I'll put a link to it. It's called One or Zero. Um, then the successor to it is no longer free, but the free one is still out there, still open source. Uh, but based on our experiments, and I think Sean would agree with me, if we didn't have anything already, we'd be using Spiceworks for a help desk. It's, it's full featured, it's easy, it's free, and it integrates the inventory and everything with it. So if you're looking for a, a help desk and you don't already have one, that's a way to go. But I will go ahead and link to the one that we use because we get that question a lot. What help desk do you use? Right. And yeah, I wish we could speak a little bit more to the Spiceworks help desk. I've done some research on it. It looks good. We haven't migrated to it quite yet. Uh, but I also uh, see quite a bit of people on Spiceworks that are using it simply for that functionality. Right. So uh, I, I can't say that I've seen anything bad about it. It seems like it's all raving about uh, about it. It's a little weird. You know, I'm one of those, just like everybody else, we've got our help desk system. It works a certain way. And so when I look at the Spiceworks one, it's kind of hard for me to wrap my mind around it. But I've got to say, from what I've seen, I'm sure if we migrate to it, and which we probably will, uh, that we're probably going to love it because there's a lot of raving reviews about it. So, yeah, one or zero. Yeah. yeah. Still okay. working for us. So again, yeah, well, I'll post that at our website. And Sean, what's our web, uh, web address? That would be the tightwadtech.com. Or if you're one of those guys who still likes the W's, it's www.thetightwadtech.com. <laughs> or where else could they find you know, us, Sean? I first have to say, I am, <laughs> if you need the W's, I don't feel sorry for you. <laughs> okay, I got that out of my That's system. That's Sean, S-H-A-W-N, at Uh You can find us on Facebook and Twitter as well. At Facebook.com slash Tech or Twitter.com slash Tech. Yes, we are fully branded. And if you were a Twitter follower or Facebook follower, you would have known that we've been broadcasting live for almost an hour and a half here, and this uh, podcast is... Uh, uh, going to be considerably shorter than that, and you'll always have to wonder what you missed because you're not a follower. Yeah, we had a pretty good one this time. We had, we had some equipment failure, and uh, 
but the stream kept going. That's <laughs> so right. They, they got to hear uh, us fumble around. And uh, so, yeah, if you want to get a little bit of extra insight, feel free to uh, tune into the stream. We'll always announce it on Facebook and Twitter. So go ahead and make sure you're following at least one of those. There you go. And um, just uh, that'll wrap us up for this week. Uh, again, please find us on our community. You are our community. The website is just where we all hang out. So uh, thetaiwadtech.com. We'll see you there. All right. And for now, this is Mark signing off. And Sean signing off.